Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. Hello everybody and welcome to a new episode of Stem Cell at Lunch Digested. I'm Jean-François Darigan, a postdoc at the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. And today it's our pleasure to host Professor Felipe Pereira. Hello Felipe, how are you? Hello, very good. Thank you for the invitation. It's my pleasure to be here. Cool. So I was thinking of starting this interview by asking if you could tell us a bit more about yourself and also give us a brief overview of the work happening in your lab. So my name is Philippe Pereira. I'm, I'm, um, my origin is I'm Portuguese, uh, uh, Portuguese biologist, and I've been a uh, in the in the field of cellular reprogramming for 17 years now so i i did my phd uh, in the uk at the manda fisher's lab- laboratory f- first assessing the the mechanisms of uh, turning a somatic cell so a differentiated cell in our in our body to a pluripotent cell cells that have the capacity to generate uh, all the different uh, types of cells and here we, we utilize actually a very interesting um, uh, technique. So we fused two different types uh, of cells, like somatic cells and pluripotent cells. The pluripotent cell dominates, and uh, and we can study how this uh, uh, works at the mechanistic level and implicated regulators that uh, are critical for for this process. Then I follow I follow. Uh, on my career um, with a postdoc uh, in New York at Mount Sinai School of Medicine. And this is where I did the uh, first steps in hematopoiesis and tried to connect these two uh, uh, often separated fields and got interested with hematopoietic stem cells. So the cells, uh, the stem cells of the blood and have this uh, amazing regenerative capacity uh, and asked the question whether we could turn uh, other cells into uh, into blood stem cells. Then I started my own group in um, 2015 in, in Portugal and moved to Sweden in 2017 with the Wallenberg, with the creation of the Wallenberg Center for Molecular Medicine. And my group has been um, uh, bringing the concepts of cell reprogramming to immunology. And we have uh, been uh, interested in the uh, in the dendritic cells because of their capacity of uh, uh, launch immune responses. So right now I am uh, associate professor at uh, at Lund University. I'm, uh, I have co-founded Asger Therapeutics for our translational uh, efforts and an editor in chief of the of the cellular reprogramming journal. Great, thank you. Um, so. A bit about yourself. So, what first brought you to science, and particularly to biology? So, so actually, it's also linked with the field that I am. Right, it's also li- linked with cellular reprogramming, and uh, comes back to um, uh, to 1997 when I was uh, uh, considering, you know, either being a scientist or an architect, and um, and at the time. There was um, Dolly the ship was uh, uh, was published and uh, this really changed my um, you know really tipped the balance towards biology and 
and I was very driven to the curiosity to understand how how our, uh, biology work and how our organism work and uh, so I, I this would keep me motivated for for a very long time and uh, you know that that has been uh, that has been fortunately the case yeah. but I keep my interest in uh, in architecture actually mm. and uh, there's a bit of uh, architecture in trying to understand how organs work and are built as well <laughs> yes so I've been um, um, you know, thinking about myself and and and, uh, and my group members as uh, architects of uh, selfing <laughs> Cool. Um, yeah, on what you said before, so you started um, a startup company on the side of your academic uh, work. So how do you balance these two activities? And uh, as well, in terms of grant funding, I guess you have to mention that uh, because there is always a conflict of interest part. So how do you balance these activities and how do you account uh, for this kind of Uh, as well, private sector or industrial uh, activity on the side of your, when you have to get funding for your academic one. So, uh, um, so the company started in 2018, December 2018, when we uh, uh, published our first paper in uh, in, in this project of um, reprogramming fibroblasts into antigen-presenting dendritic cells. So the cell types, the sentinels of the immune system that able to launch uh, uh, immune responses by presenting antigens to T cells. So we recognized the, 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 at the time the value of our, uh, uh, you know, the translational value of our findings. And, and you have several options here, right? When you, when you have, uh, you know, when you have a technology with, uh, with trans translational value. So you either file patent timely and, uh, and incorporate a startup to be able to raise the investment needed for the whole development and the clinical trials. So this is very, very costly. You would not, you would not be able to do it with only academic funding. Or, you know, you start a collaboration with industry, um, initiate, you know, uh, uh, investigator-driven uh, uh, clinical trials. But all these things you know, are quite, uh, it, it will slow down the process quite a lot, right? So. So we th we we thought I mean we could put our efforts in uh, in uh, starting a, a company that would also help the um, the development of the project. And so far, it's, it's a small startup, and and uh, the activities is, are um, scientific and very aligned with the development uh, of the project, but give us another dimension uh, of uh, you know um, of activity and give us. Um, another um, uh, more global uh, approach to the project, not only the scientific parts, but also the regulatory part, much manufacturing part. So we become uh, we had to learn how to how to do those things. So, I mean, answering your question in terms of funding, I would not say that this is. Uh, it, it, you know, it becomes a conflict of interest because we are like uh, synergizing towards the same goal, which is bringing these to patients at, at some point. And it gives you other options, access to other uh, to other type of funding that you would not have by only having an academic lab. Okay, great. Thank you. 
Um, I guess uh, my next question would be actually um, relating to your fields of research. So, because uh, to me, you kind of sit at the crossroad between two very important avenues in biology, which are cell reprogramming and immunotherapy. So, uh, how do you see these fields co-evolve? And do you think that one will advance faster than the other one? Basically, how do you envisage the, the future of research in these fields and how they're going to interact? It's a very good question and um, an interface that I, I see a lot of future. These fields of the field of immunology and uh, immunotherapy has been um, often separated by stem cells and reprogramming, right? The field, cell reprogramming field emerged uh, first with somatic cell nuclear transfer for cloning. And then uh, the generation of stem cells that we use in this pluripotent stem cells that then has been growing throughout the years towards also differentiation of multiple lineages, but somehow kept it, kept it separated from the immune system. And uh, so we started here with, uh, with the dendritic cells, but also very interested on other, uh, other immune cell, cell fates because I do see that, that there is a lot of potential to recreate these immune cell identities with that control specific models of the immune system using uh, the transcription factor proteins that are the, the determinants of uh, of the self of self fate. So I can envision, you know, once you know this combination of transcription factors, you know, you can use them several in several ways. You have to generate cells in vitro and utilize also the, the cells and as, a, as platforms to generate cells in a more efficient way than, uh, than reprogramming uh, cell, uh, somatic cells to pluripotent cells and differentiating them back again. But you can also then explore the in vivo uh, reprogramming uh, field that has been, um, this has been expanding in, in regenerative medicine as, um, as a way to generate the cells that are missing. And, uh, this has been shown for cardiomyocytes in the heart, for example, or uh, receptor cells in the eye. So the idea is to uh, deliver these proteins or deliver these uh, transcription factors in vivo that, uh, that allow the, the reprogramming uh, in situ in the tissues and uh, replenish the cell types that are missing. So you can also transfer that to the, to the immunological setting. And uh, for example, then recreate these cells in, in tumors directly by using an approach, an in vivo reprogramming approach that is from the field of, uh, of stem cells and, and, and reprogramming. Great. And uh, re regarding immunotherapy, um, uh, how, how is the research now about using immunotherapy to treat uh, solid tumors? Um, just as a naive question. <laughs> yeah, no, I can... Uh, uh, certainly give uh, give an overview so as you as you probably know right that immunotherapy has been uh, revolutionizing uh, the the treatment of uh, of solid cancers uh, in the last uh, decade so and it's also um, I highlighted with a Nobel prize for the immune checkpoint inhibitor in 2018 and so this is one uh, one of approach that so the immune checkpoints so antibodies that uh, block the inhibitory signals of uh, uh, tumor cells provide to, uh, to, to T cells, for example, and uh, allow a more uh, robust uh, uh, T cell response. 
And um, there are several checkpoint inhibitors that are on development, but uh, more, uh, the more famous ones is PD, PD-1 and uh, CTLA-4. So, and many of those, uh, so in many indications, many cancers like uh, melanoma, this has been um, revolutionary because it really leads to, to cure. Uh, long, uh, you know, long term, as the patients have still been followed, but achieved uh, achieved a, a response that we've never seen before. Um, the problem is that um, only a minority of the patients uh, respond, so 30 percent of the patients respond, and in some cancers, they just not open yet to this type of treatment, uh, like uh, glioblastoma and pancreatic cancer. So um, other types of immunotherapy include uh, CAR T cells. So uh, T cells that have been uh, genetically engineered to uh, target a specific uh, antigen. So for example, in B-cell leukemia, they are expressing uh, B-cell uh, receptors. Uh, this uh, refusing CAR T cells in patients has been very effective in wiping out the cancer, but also the, the, normal, uh, the normal cells. But, for the cancer patient, this is still a benefit. So other uh, approaches are um, oncolytic viruses, viruses that are delivered intertrumally and uh, they uh, infect the cells and kill the cells and create an environment where uh, the response can, uh, can be augmented. And uh, those still, compared to the checkpoint inhibitors, still under, uh, under development. And the dendritic cell uh, vaccines, so um, the production of uh, dendritic cells ex vivo and loading them with, uh, with tumor antigens to then refuse in patients or delivering the tumor antigens uh, directly into, into the dendritic cells in vivo as uh, BioNTech, BioNTech is exploring, for example. Thank you very much for this overview for non-specialists. <laughs> I guess my, my uh, last two questions are going to be a changing a bit of topic again, uh, more related to managing a research team and what it is to be a PI. So what do you find uh, challenging or rewarding uh, with regards to being a PI? So um, to training students that come to the lab, uh, high motivations, but very little knowledge about the, the field or such field or how science works and, and seeing them develop is a really fantastic source of uh, of, of motivation. So uh, the, the challenge is, is um, I guess, uh, this very common limitation about uh, among scientists, but it's about, you know, your time is very, it's limited. So you do not have the, the time that you like to have and to, and to give to every single person in your lab, or particularly in a lab like mine, that it's more than 20 people now. But um, yeah, so, you know, I think the, the mentoring aspect of uh, of our, our our work is uh, is fantastic, and helping achieving helping your lab members achieving you know eureka moments is is very rewarding. Um, also, because you've been a PI in at least uh, two countries now, um, and a postdoc in others. Uh, do you think it's very different to be a PI in different countries, even in different European countries, or in the end, the administrative side is the same? So, 
so the different approaches and different uh, like philosophies to, to, to do how to do science is very different, for example, from the US and Europe. So being a PI in the multiple countries is also very different in terms of um, you understanding the systems, right? The, how so the funding systems and the, how, how things work in different countries is they, they can be very different and and it is something that you need to learn, right? But um, in general, and this is an advice I give to all my postdocs I'm finishing, is that if you focus on the science, if you focus on uh, defining a name that has not been uh, uh, explored and uh, achieving that aim every possible means, establishing your independent research line, it's it's what you need, right? It it will work in any system. So the the rest is something that you you do need to learn in the process of uh, uh, trying to to achieve uh, to achieve something that is new, right? But you should kind of concentrate the majority of your time and your mental power, let's say, in the science and in the scientific questions. And the rest, you can easily learn it on the way. Okay, great advice. Uh, yeah, and so my, yeah, my last question uh, might, might be a bit tricky, I don't know. So in a few words, what would you uh, advise to someone thinking of uh, pursuing a career in research? So, um, so finding uh, something that you would like to contribute to, so this could be a research field or trying to answer a question or something that you feel uh, that it's uh, it, it will motivate you for a, for for a long time and then uh, try to contribute right try to to bring something new either from your own experience or bringing uh, bridging to to some other field or some other uh, approach that has not been yet explored in in that particular field yeah so i think i think that's it you know it's it's really about yeah. finding what what drives you and that will keep you fueled for the years to come which can dedicate it needs de dedication and uh, and um, yeah. an effort Okay, great. Thank you very much, um, Philippe. It was uh, great to have you, to host you at Stemsa at lunch. And um, yeah, thank you. And uh, we hope to see you again at uh, some other seminars or in conferences. Yeah, thank you so much. Have a good day. It was, uh, it was my pleasure. Bye.